Hello everyone and welcome to the Nineteen Minutes Listening. Uh, today is going to be a very short. So today is going to be a short podcast. It's not our usual Sunday podcast. It's one in the week. It's a Wednesday. Um, I think it'll be a lot less more frustrating. Chelsea finally won a match today. If he pray for that. Um, De Bruyne hat trick. Four goals today. Not a perfect hat-trick, you know, but all three goals scored his perceived weak foot. But uh, City, three points clear. So I think, we, I think we'll start the podcast with the would-be champions of England because, you know, they, they confirmed one big signing and there are rumours of a second big signing so first off, unless you've been living on that rock, City have got I their I, man. Oh, first and foremost, we take offense to that. <laughs> Are you been living on that rock? Yeah. Oh, well, City have signed Erling Haaland. No, Haaland was, was going to Madrid, but apparently Madrid isn't... 100% sure on Haaland's fitness. He has a very bad injury record. And I think Perez doesn't want another Bale, Hazard, or Kaka signing where he signs a Galacticos and they spend most of the time in the in the medical room than on the pitch. I'm going to blame Bale for that because there was a lot of times Bale was fit and wanted to Exactly. But Bale, but I would, to be fair, I wouldn't include Bale in it because Bale has been fit for the majority of his career at Madrid. It's morely the Kaka Hazard situation where two marquee signings and I think Hazard has played what 15 games or maybe 20 games in three years. So I think Perez is afraid of spunking that big money. Because unlike what City wants to report, you know, we have very reliable sources that tells us that, and we all know how Mino Riola works. So Riola's agency. You know, rest in peace, real about his agents, he's still around. They got their commission, right? Haaland's father got his commission, and Dortmund got their commission. Along with the sell-on clauses from Red Bull, um, oh my God, was it Salzburg? Yes, yeah, yeah, Salzburg, Salzburg, and the club that he was with in, in Norway. So all of these clubs got a little piece of the money. So as much as City would like to try to cloud up the, to let it look like they haven't spent a big amount of money, they, they just spent a big amount of money. And he's earning the same amount as the Brown, which is 375000 And we know that doesn't include any performance-related bonuses and add-ons as you would expect of a contract of this magnitude. So his injury record aside, Pep has had very bad fortunes with number nine. I don't think Mario is more equipped to speak on this because he sees some of the best number nines pass through Barcelona and Pep has all shown them through the door. So how do you well, think Guardiola is going to use Haaland now? Because this is his signing. This is his marquee signing. Well, here's the fucked up part of it. Pep has never had bad luck with number nine in terms of production. 
he chose he chose to fuck up a lot of relationships. First and foremost, the Etta relationship. Let's get that out of the way. All he wanted was Etta to play out. Why? And Etta is willing to do that for a couple of games, but he wants to play through him. Because you see, even under Jose, Etta was willing to play out on the left. Jose was just not going to use him there permanently. Jose would use him in a front two with the um with the Milito and at times in a 4-2-3-1 by himself, um, depending on which striker I'm going to start. But the point is Pep ruined relationships with his number nines so that he could put Messi in a false nine. I think Barca would have had the same success with Zatan playing through the middle and Messi on the way. What the biggest reason for this is because of what happened under Enrique. Suarez was pushed out wide on the right early in that Barca season. Barca looked like dog shit for the first half of the season. People don't realize it, but MSN never kicked until then. It was a match against Valencia, and going into the match, we were thinking, hey, if Enrique loses to Valencia, he's fired. Yes, I remember there, there, there were a lot of rumors surrounding Enrique's job at the time and his disagreement with Messi. There's a lot of rumors saying that, you know, Enrique was always one foot out the door. Exactly. Exactly. And um, it took Enrique to tell Messi, hey, we cannot play you on the, um, as a false nine while we have a number nine squad. It, it, for Eto, it worked. Eto played out on the right, we still win a champions. For Zatan, it worked. We still won La Liga. Zatan was one of the leading goals for us. But you're pissing off the number nine because it's not your natural role. And you're playing a player as a false nine who can naturally play out wide, especially when he was younger. Granted, the false nine took the world by storm. But when it got figured out, um, people truly dominated Barca. But in terms of actual production from number nine, it's not that Pep cannot use a number nine. Biggest example, Lewandowski. The only reason why Pep did not win a Champions League with Lewandowski is because he ran into the greatest front three ever since. Yeah. Yes, he, his, his Bayern team ended up into that MSN era of teams. And yes, we know before Hans took over Lewandowski, Muller and Lewandowski's production were the best under under Guardiola, we have we have the numbers to prove that because Muller's best assist and goal scoring season came under Guardiola, the fourth league, and Lewandowski's best goal scoring season came under Guardiola before Flick came in. So that, Mar- we, that, that Bayern team had, had like, that? Tr- like three starting levels. Yes, but would you say that Lewandowski is your typical number nine? Uh, um, well, Lewandowski, I put in that same category with Zatan, um, Manzukic, Benzema, um, Matrip, just, just some modern ones to think about. I put those four in the category of, yes, they're naturally number nines, but they develop their games into complete forwards. R9 is another example of that. He's a natural number nine if you're just playing straight up as a number nine, but... How they develop their games, the link up play forward, forward, exactly. Zatan was it's Haaland that player though, because Haaland is not a complete forward. I say Mbappe is a complete forward, not yet. And Mbappe to me is still an inside forward, even though he wants to claim number nine or try, even though as he goes into his career, he wants to play more as a number nine. He's naturally an inside forward. You you always liken him to Henry that he will develop naturally into. 
into another one. Same thing with Henry. Same thing with Henry. People don't remember. Like, Henry flopped at Juve. Like, people don't remember that. Like, Henry's technically at Juve flopped. Never really flopped, flopped. Had some good games, but he never... Scored goals, yes, he's, but he did it Yeah, but he wasn't... Yeah, that, that, that was expected. To, exactly. To, to um, exactly. But he was a young player at the time. He was very young. Very young. At the time. Just coming out of Monaco, we're going into Juve's team. He was, he was still a young player, still fighting his role in football. Exactly. And as, I, think, and I think that's why he rates Wenger so much, because Wenger took him under his wing and coached him. I think that's another person, like, you know... They forget that some of the greatest managers in football are great coaches as well. And but that's the thing, you know, when you're up, yeah. when you're up, when when you've seen what Arsenal has become over, even even if you were a part of the last five years of Arsenal, you forget that his teams played a lot better than they should have over the years. They, they, they punched above their weight, yes. Exactly. I think a lot and, of Arsenal fans, after yeah. Wenger, have actually accepted the fact that Okay, I think Wenger had us punting above our weights. I think what they criticized Wenger for was not leaving and allowing the squad to transition a lot earlier, which is what you said. No, but that here's Wenger the thing. delayed the, that, that the period that Arsenal went to, they were finishing 7th A, that Wenger delayed that from happening a lot sooner. Exactly, because um, look at the Sir Alex transition. It is not easy to have that much success over a certain amount of time. It's actually unheard of. Very fucking unheard of. Why winning titles? Very, very, very unheard of. That's why I said Sir Alex is just one of one. Because um, even Wenger, his team transitioned out of that era and never necessarily have the same success as the Invincibles. Even if not the Invincibles. Like, even winning league titles was difficult. But he kept a team that was was basically buying underrated players from clubs that needed the money. For example... Rosiski was uh, was um was playing for Dortmund when Dortmund weren't really tight challengers, but they weren't they were like a Europa League club. And mm-hmm. he bought Thomas Rosiski, turned him into a star in the Premier League. The reason why he didn't live up to potential was injuries. He's never there. He was never yeah. there as soon as he came. Also, another factor as to why um Wenger didn't see much success. I think the players that he brought in, they are they they the Arsenal went through a period that they had very injury prone players. Yeah, but and like this I is said, from someone who came in that revolutionized um, sports, sports medicine in England. in England, England, exactly. So that's why I said, like, he bought players that were underrated. Because remember, Santi Cazorla wasn't respected until he until his final season with Malaga. I have to remember before that Malaga run. This is a guy who went to the Europa League, sorry, the Champions League semi-finals as a youngster for Villarreal. Um, you remember when Diego Forlan was at Villarreal and they um, somehow managed to make it to the Champions League semi-finals? Cazorla was a youngster in that team. Was just like a baby in that team. So, like, people don't remember. Cazorla was a Villarreal young star. Then went to Malaga. And again, Malaga was a club that he, what nobody expected to be in Champions League. Produced some good players for a second. And... Wenger rated that squad along with others because Monreal was a part of that squad as well. Wenger took underrated players from clubs that needed money, plus brought up players from Arsenal's academy, especially that era with Cockwell and Wilsh. I know that Cockwell is the first name I should have called in terms of popularity with the fans, but Cockwell and Wilsh, Ramsey, um, even though Chamberlain wasn't an academy graduate, but they bought him very young. Um, so he output him in there as well. 
um, with Joel Campbell and those guys who never really made it into what we wanted them to be. But at the same time, when they were playing under Wenger, they looked unbelievable. A lot of people don't realize, even though Joel yes, Campbell... And a lot of Arsenal fans just thought that Wenger was the problem. The players were fine. I think no. it's after they got rid of Wenger, they realized that, okay, I think the problem really lies with the players then. Exactly. But well, that's what he had to use. Right? Yes. Yeah. We, we know Haaland's goal return, but we mm-hmm. also know his injury record. And the injury record is in the Bundesliga, which is the second most intense league in terms of pressing and how teams play, right? Yeah, German style of football. Now he's coming into the Premier League a lot more physical than the Bundesliga, not much spaces, and defenders are not going to be as kind as kind to him. We know why Madrid is backed out. And we know City them can afford to write off. We can afford to write off someone like Alan. But you can only like this is going to be a massive, massive signing because now he's Guardiola's system creates goals. He just needs players to finish the goals. So we know Haaland going into there creating a focal point is not going to be that big of an issue because, like you said, Guardiola system creates goals and Haaland will be on the receiving end of that. I think the question mark is, do you see Haaland stay fit? Knowing the um, that's not the biggest question Porto. mark. The biggest question mark was what you asked earlier. I know that we drifted off into a tangent earlier, but what you asked earlier is him fitting the playing style. And the reason why I brought that up is because, yes, in Pep's playing style, the number nine, and this is why I said seriously, um, if you really wanted to win trophies, you would have went to Man City over Man U. Um, if, he took, if he took his heart out of the decision, actually thought with his mind, um, the reason why I thought he would fit is because CR7 doesn't like playing as an outer number nine. CR7 has the body of a number nine with the playing style of a second striker or an inside ball. Right now, granted, CR7 can jump on headshots into the goal and can coach because he's not really a good finisher, but he doesn't like playing through the middle and being a stagnant number nine, where all he can do is drop the ball in his chest, play as a target man, link up play. CR7 still likes to drop deep and play with the ball, even if he don't dribble as much. He still likes to drop deep and link up play, drift into wide spaces. That's what I think would have fit him at Man City as a number nine. Um, but Zatan, even before he got to Pep, was a good dribbler and good technical ability. Lewandowski, even from his Dortmund days, wasn't just a pure number nine who could head the ball into the goal and goal coach. He could, he could turn and dribble at people as well, especially when he was younger, even when he kind of less stronger on the ball because he was skinny. Um, he was dribbling with Royce and Gutze and Blazakowski. Again, like Manzo. A lot of persons forget that, yes. Yes, so a lot of these guys, like you said, like the question like you asked earlier, is that is Zatan and, and Luan Luan those just pure number nines? No, even before Pep, even Eto. Eto was not just a pure number nine, which is why he fit Barca so well. Because yes, even though him can play through the middle and all of that. When Ronaldinho drifts in from off left, Eto can drift out into that wide space. Barca's front three has never been a stagnant front three. So 
those guys were complete forwards before they got under Pep. So Erling Haaland, out of all of the number nines, to me has the most growth to do with Pep in terms of becoming a footballer. And one of the persons that isn't really called as a number nine, who should be called as a number nine because that's where he played before he came to Barca. I know that Barca used him as a left winger. And he was the only number nine that Pep had a good relationship because he was willing to change his playing style and play a while. David fucking Villa. Villa isn't remembered as a number nine, even though he played as a number nine at Real Zaragoza and for Valencia. Because Valencia did crowded wingers. Valencia had um, Pablo Hernandez, from who you probably know from his days at Swansea. Um, they had one matter who was a winger at the time and not an attacking midfielder, like Chelsea used him. David Silva was one of the wingers at the, um, um, at the time, um, before he started to play as an attacking midfielder at Man City. But the wings, Joaquin, who a lot of people know more from his days at Malaga and, of course, Real Betis, um, he was one of the wingers in that squad. So the wings were crowded. David Villa was a number nine with pace. He, again, he was already somewhat of a complete forward. But what he didn't know how to do, and David Villa said this himself, he didn't know how to play football. If you get what I mean. There comes a time when a player is dependent on his talent, which is what Villa was um, when he was at Valencia. Pace, dribbling. He had natural pace, natural, natural dribbling, and he was a deadly finisher. But in terms of making certain runs into the box, linking up play with your teammates, David Villa said he didn't feel like he became a footballer until he went to Barca. Because that's where you learn how to play the game completely. That's where a regular number nine yeah, you're not just We're not just relying on your physical attributes to help Exactly. You. Exactly. So, this is where you rely more on your mind. Your mind to maximize your physical attributes, anything else. So when you get older, your drop-off isn't so great because you already understand how to play the game fundamentally. Exactly. It's the reason why Maldini and Nesta are considered some of the greatest centre-backs ever. They weren't the fastest around, they weren't slow, but when they got older, they were still able to still put out world-class performances because they understood the game. And a lot of players, when they get that, it's just one of the question marks around Mbappe. You know, are you just a pace merchant? Are you just an ex-Michael Owen that will always rely on his pace? You know, what will, what, what will happen when you get older? Or if it's an injury and you can't depend for your pace. Exactly. But we've, we've learned that Mbappé now knows how to use his space properly. He knows how to, when to run, how to time his runs, where to pick up the ball, when to drop deep. And these are all signs of a player that is learning how to play the game. Definitely, but I still would like to see Mbappé do it by himself. Meaning that he had a good team around there at Monaco, which didn't demand a lot of footballing knowledge to play in that system. And that PSG, you're basically in a team more talented than everybody unless you have been at the Champions League. And when you actually faced a team that was good in the Champions League, you couldn't beat them in the finals. So, like I said, even though he was probably one of the best players on the field for them in the finals, and I'm not yeah, saying that I don't know his talent. He's best player in the Champions League in the past three seasons, I think. No, no, that's what I said. I'm not denying his talent. do, actually, because it's more of the other players not stepping up than him. Not like he, He's done his job, actually. Yeah, but him still never scored. You know what I mean? So, like, at the end of the day, people are going to still judge him for that. 
So what I'm saying, I'm not denying his talent. What I'm saying is that um, I still haven't seen his football improve in terms of still not, even though he's developing his football brain, he's, it's still dependent a lot on his physical attributes. Meaning that, yeah, he makes certain runs now, but those runs still kind of depend on somebody to have the pace back. So, like, if you watch Henry, and this is why I say the Henry's Barca days to me were, even though they weren't as flamboyant as his Arsenal days, that's when, to me, Henry looked like a footballer. Because even if you look at him, if you, if you looked at Henry in the finals that he played against Barca in the Champions League final, that, that Henry was, could not play like how he played with the Invictus. Okay. Yeah, like because again, Henry was Henry looked like damn near a target man in that final because he couldn't play the same way he played with the Indians because he was aging. Because Barca, Barca got an aging Henry. We never get a young, young dashing Henry. We get what was left of him. Granted, in a in a in a granted, he still played well for us. Still won the um, still won the Champions League with us. But you have to remember, right after that Champions League, he went to the MLS. So we didn't get up prime. He was, he, was, he was coming out of his prime when he went there. Exactly. So, um, which shocked me why why Pep used him on the wing, anyways. But still, um, but that, that's the thing. But that's the thing, though. You can be an aging player, but if you, if you learn how to play under Pep, the system will still help you as long as you do what Pep tells you to do. And the thing for Erling Haaland is that he has to he has to now become a footballer in terms of decision making. And that's the big thing about Pep squad that people don't realize. The chances are created based on uh, good decision making. And that's the part of the game that I don't think Haaland 100% has. I think his talent has carried him this far, which is good. They have a talent for it. But, but in Pep's teams, yeah, it's a, exactly. You want to know why Benzema is so clinical at this age and Wondowski are decision making. And some can say, well, Mario, that comes with experience. Yeah, true, but at the same time, they've been doing it for so long. It's not like they just start to put up these numbers. You have to remember, you know, Benzema was a leading goal scorer at 19 in a league. A lot, a lot of persons forget that. Him and Benar, him and Hatem Benar for um, yeah, near walk the league with Leon. And then Benar came to Marseille. Um, Benzema went to Madrid. And of course, Benar walked the league again with Marseille. Um, I don't know what the fuck he's going to Newcastle, but that's a story for me. Granted, he was a part of a good Newcastle team with them about Papi C say you want to buy and all of that. Still wouldn't still still wouldn't let my money still wouldn't have went there if I was. But I, I still think he would have done better at Arsenal than Newcastle. But the point is you have to become a footballer under it. And it's your decision making. And that's the thing with Gabriel Jesus, why he hasn't turned out to be what, what Pep wanted him to be. Once he reaches in front of goal, he kind of second guesses himself. Um, meaning that he wants to score the surefire goal. 
meaning that he does like rather than wanting to score, he does not want to miss. If that makes sense to you. And I think that's Gabriel Jesus' biggest problem at City. Is that when he reaches into a good goal scoring position, he shoots as if he does not want to miss rather than I'm I'm a deadly cold-blooded striker. I, I expect better finishing. I don't expect that from Haaland, but what I will give Gabriel Jesus over Haaland right now is playing within Pep's playing style. Now, like I said, Pep has an insurance policy, two actually. Pep's two insurance policies is that his system doesn't require a number nine at a fucking way and I can get to a Champions League semi final and a Champions League final. And he signed my boy Julian Alvarez from River Plate. So if he does need a number nine in case Holland, in case he doesn't even have access to Holland at the beginning of the season. And then Holland is not going to be at the World Cup. So there's no rush to bring him back to say, all right, we need to get him confirmed so that Norway can get him. Nor do clubs give a fuck for the international tournament. So like you have to still remember in terms of Erling Holland's case that he now has to become a footballer because in Pep's system, as even though you're a number nine, you can't stand up over the front and just wait for the ball. So, and that's why I said, the question ad- is, go, adapting to Haaland and Haaland adapting to the team. It's more Haaland adapting to the team. Again, Haaland has to become a footballer rather than just an out and out number nine. Yes, you have pace. You're an okay dribbler. Yeah, but no, um, but no, but no, players. You have to respect the number nine's position, and to not and to not go into his territory. No, but you see the problem with with a number nine in this system. Like I said, and this is why I said that Zatan and Lewandowski were perfect for, for for Pep in terms of playing style. They were number nines who naturally drop off and link up to Benzema the same. Like, he was a forward who naturally, as I said, it's about Luis Suarez all the time as well. Suarez and Aguero were one of the, are, are, were naturally inside forwards coming up in their younger career who transitioned to being number nines. So when they transitioned to being number nines, it never felt like you lost anything on the field because you could still link up there with them. In Pep's system, your number nine have to drop into midfield, is what I'm saying. Or as that third man release that Pep loves, that third man triangular play, it doesn't work as well when you're number nine stand up up front. That's why I say that, like, um, my guy, there was in Lewandowski and yeah. Zatan were perfect because they are naturally strikers that can drop deep, turn and link up play, turn and face the opponent and dribble at them. That's something that Erling Haaland doesn't do for Dortmund, which is why the Dortmund midfielders are so dependent when it comes down to the build-up. Interesting, interesting, very interesting. So, all right, then. So, the transfer rumors are that Barca is being, well, not rumors, Barca is being a piracy. And one player that they're looking to raise some money on is De Jong. And City is interesting. One, I don't think that's their first option. I think their first option is Dembele. Um, I think no, they're actually trying to renew Dembele. Listen, Bar- everything that has been coming out of Barca for the past three weeks have been um, contradictory. 
So I... this one, uh, we have it from very, very good source. That... No, I'm saying no, no, but even good sources were were were, were seeing. Um, well, let's let's start with the fire suit. I've said that that should have been done for the past two years. So, and not only that, Barca have been trying to do a fire suit for the past two years. It's not like they haven't been trying to do that. European teams were just waiting on what they want from us. So I I don't see Barca selling him first. I still see Usman Dembele leaving first. Um, in terms of if we're going to do a fire sale, but I I still think what Barca wants is for those guys to not be touched. Like you said, I still think they're trying to renew Usman Dembele, but that renewal doesn't mean they're not going to sell. If you get what I'm saying, that renewal is more of an insurance policy rather than just like, all right, if I renew Dembele. He's not for sale. That renewal policy. Yeah, is but his contract, ups, his contract up in July the first. Exactly, exactly. That's why I'm gonna say it's more of control. It's more of all right. Me have more power in the negotiation. All right. You remember? You remember how Madrid for the past year and a half? No, what I said. That was our thirty million. Mm-hmm. And all of Europe just said, "Well, what? Why? Why the fuck would I let him contract expire?" You know, go and keep him for your injury table until, until the contract expires and we, we come in and take him for free? Because based on what we're seeing is that Barca wants Lewandowski, right? The transfer fee is not the problem, it's the wages. And they have to raise that wage somehow. And Dembele is an extension that they want. So... City, United, PSG, and Chelsea are all looking at Frankie, but City is a favorite to get him. How does Frankie fit into that City midfield? Um, he allows De Bruyne to naturally play as an attacking midfielder. Frankie gets to play box to box. Rodri, um, Rodri stays in front of that box. So don't you see Pep dropping? Rodri for Dayong and no. Bernardo and KD no. because Bernardo is a drop of the Oh, no, I'm not say if you drop Bernardo. You think Bernardo can't take Mahrez game for the week? Is that as clinical as Mahrez? No, no, no. I don't say finishing, but what I'm saying is Bernardo Silva is not. We do know that Mahrez and Pep is not on good terms. That, that is very obvious. A lot yeah, of parties know this as well, that they're not on good terms. All right, let me just dis- describe the things. One. Mares is at an age where he's dispensable. Pep not care about nobody over there. Two, Bernardo Silva is slightly younger than him. Yeah. Bernardo Silva is slightly younger than him and can do all of what he does on the way. Rather than him flare. Him unpredictable flare. But in terms of dribbling, playmaking, finishing, I know Mars is a better finisher, but it's not like Bernardo Silva doesn't know how to finish. Um, and like I said, um, I, I would see him pushing Bernardo Silva back out wide and using Frankie as a box-to-box midfielder like That's he is now at Barca. A signing like Haaland. Where you're, yeah. not, you're not depending much on your inside forwards to score anymore. It's not, it's not really that, but what that, insure, what that gives you is an insurance policy that instead of dropping Rodri and keeping the team that fluid, because remember, I keep... That's why I was saying about Holland earlier. Unless Holland becomes like a Satan or a Lewandowski who naturally still drops deep, 
and link up play despite being a number nine, you're going, you're going to be more dependent on your midfielders to carry the ball. You know what I'm saying? Because so, Luan don't... So on. keeping Rodri at the base, right, solidifies the, the, that, that, that part of the field. And yeah. allowing De Bruyne to play as a natural attacking playmaker with Frankie going Freeze back to him back. up. Freeze, it frees up De Bruyne, especially being that De Bruyne is one of the older players in the squad now that he's interested to save. But especially going into later later on in his career, rather mm-hmm. than having him being that deep line playmaker who works very hard, have him just focus on that. So no, he's so more, so he now transitions more to that David Silva role where he just focuses solely on the attack now. Yeah. No, of course, De Bruyne still has a work hard field because he's naturally that player. But similar but, to how he used Xavi in his last, in the latter years of his career. Yeah, but it, it, it's the thing with Xavi, though, is that he was more of a command in you know, the second half and control. So but in terms... Yeah, I would say more later in his And as I said, David Silva is a very good example where he's more focused on the attack and you can unleash De Bruyne. If that happens, De Bruyne will not on you. Because a lot of people don't realize they weren't they, despite all of what the burners accomplished at City, they've actually been holding back their nuclear weapon. Like you didn't remember the burn at, 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 at um at Wolfsburg when he was at number 10? Um yes, I remember. And yeah, and what but even more so at Wolfsburg. Yeah. Um because Berman was still at least a big team. At Wolfsburg, when they were actually competing, he took them to a Champions League, Champions League team. Exactly. They were finishing, comp- they were finishing but it was the amount of goals that he was scoring. He was still probably the highest goal scorer in the squad. I know Bastos was the forward. I know Daniel Caligiuri contributed. Yes, he was in double digits goals and assists. And assists. Pet can unleash that nuclear weapon if they get Frank. What, that, what would be stupid of them is to put Frankie in front of that defense. Why? Because you're limiting Frankie. I've said it a thousand times. He's not a natural defensive midfielder. He plays the role perfectly. I'm not saying he can't put that role. But he's naturally box-to-box or a deep-line playmaker who works hard, like a box-to-box midfielder. One of the two. But they want to call him a, a box-to-box midfielder with deep-line playmaker skill sets because he grew up at Ajax or a, a deep-line playmaker who has the work ethic of a box-to-box midfielder. Yeah, but, but in that famous Ajax team with him and Van Der Beek, it was, it was Frankie that sat more and Van Der Beek that went forward. Yeah, but they also had daily been sitting in front of the defense at that time. Oh, true, yes. Neither of them sat in front of the defense. Because remember, you had, um, you had the Mexican guy, Alvarez, um, playing alongside um, Veltman. And I don't know why Veltman chose to go to Brighton and end his career, but... Hey. Earning money here. Yeah. But the point is, um, yes, there were times where Ajax used Frankie sitting right in front of the defense. But if you looked at Ajax when they were at their absolute best going forward, is when Frankie was allowed to make those runs from deep. And as I said, Van de Beek could focus more on because that's the thing that Manu struggles with as well. Is how do we use Van de Beek? Because at Ajax, they use them a bit further forward than. Frankie, as you said, mm-hmm. but he still wasn't an attacking midfielder either way. Because Ziyech would drift off of the wings and drop into that number 10 rule, while Tadic and um, Quincy from his room. 
And of course, Taddy throws a false nine, so he drops deep into the midfield at times as well, or drifts out wide, depending on what CF is currently doing. I understand, I get that. So you're saying so Raji Raji holds. So, so moving on from City and then City, because I don't know why Pep don't want anybody else to be in the league. And you know, the African shaman, then you know, if you're getting Haaland and De Young to try to win the Champions League, the African shaman they tell us that you will never win the Champions League again. I don't know why they want to believe them. So you need to believe the African shaman because the shamans are always correct. You know, you know, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't play with the shaman. So the shaman said that because of what they did in Yaya Torre, you're not winning the Champions League. You're not winning the Champions League. So Liverpool, Chelsea, FA Cup final. Um, it depends. Is Chelsea going to choke again? Good question. Is Chelsea going to choke again? Yeah, because everybody that was all in Liverpool, good form. He was in good form and went into the fucking. Um, no, he wasn't actually. He's been, he's been on the bench. Still, like, he's not like he never played good in the match. Yeah, he scored and then chalk it off. That's why I say, like, it's not like he played. Like, look at who hasn't been playing like shit at Chelsea. The problem he's is... Actually, he's our leading goal scorer. That, that my point is, like, that interview crap that happened earlier in the season, um, they really yeah, kind of fuck himself. Yes. Fuck himself. No, but it's not fucking himself. Like, that's like, like, teammates need to understand what, like, you see the thing that, you see the difference in football, one of the differences in sports that needs to be separate, and I, and I blame players for this. You guys, you guys think about football too much like funds for players. I know I'm not, I know I didn't turn out to be any football at their level, but they should not be reacting to the media the way fans because you have private access to each other. So, for example, if Lukaku goes in the media and say, Yo, I love my entertainment, yada, 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 cool, but back here, I shouldn't hold that against you. Me supposed to bring you outside in training and, like, all right, yo. Why you said this, this, that, and the third? Explain this to me and was squash it within the squad. So even when the media come out and say, look at who is burning, is is, is bridge and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. At least the players then will say, oh, we are look at who don't talk to you on the same side. Yes, we're because be it did look like the team where the team was actively playing against it. No, exactly. No, no, it's a bit different. No, it looks like them some something look like it changed, you know. Because the season got to shit. More. Because the season got to dog shit. You know what yeah, the problem exactly. was? Mm-hmm. You know what the problem was? Chelsea won the Champions League. Yes, yeah, so I remember of... you saying that this was going to be a problem. Yeah, because with Chelsea winning the Champions League without Lukaku and Lukaku coming back and doing that interview, like I said, I personally don't have a problem with because yes, I understand I what he's right trying though. to express. I don't, even, because... I don't even care what he's trying to express. I know, I know this romanticism that a lot of fans want to put on football, that romanticism died decades ago. Players are here to do a job. They're they're here to do a job, and when we no longer have use for them, we'll get rid of them. Exactly. That's why I said it is our business and players are starting to treat it like that. That's why I said that, yo... They collect a they score a couple goals, if the fans love you, they love you, and you move on to the next club on the line, we're going to pay you another bigger... Another big, big exactly. That's no, why I'm not even upset I, about Rudiger leaving. No, but that's no, why I say like bad. cool. But what I'm saying with Lukaku's situation was that 
like as a team, you supposed to go to look up and say, oh, all right, yo, we saw the interview on team, but what were you really trying to express or um, are you not committed to us here because, yo, we are trying to learn to play alongside you. We are trying to play this and that. That should have been solved within the squad. You get what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what I'm saying on the interview. I'm going to say, yo, we hit everybody in the current chance as well. <laughs> if you talk behind the scenes and and on the start out in yourself, like, it should be no problem. It should, there should be no problem there. And I think the squad... I think also the... Tusha should get a piece of blame as well because I think Tusha had the same mentality as well. We won the Champions League without you. So you have yeah. to adapt to us. Why should we adapt to you? But that's the thing. But the reason why you went out to spend 100 million was because even though we won the Champions League, we were absolutely awful in the league. Definitely. And, and we had to rely on... Style of play. We had to rely on Tottenham beating Leicester for us to get into the Champions League. Right. Into top four, actually. And this was even before we won the Champions League. Yeah, so the problem with that whole thing was that I think when Chelsea season started to collapse, especially against Madrid, yeah. that was when the team just um, realized that, oh, we're not untouchable. I think Chelsea went into this season a bit, I don't want to say overconfident because we did go through a rough patch with injuries and COVID, a bit of arrogance. But a bit of arrogance in that as long as we're close to, they had the mentality of as long as we're close to the finish line, we'll figure it out. Uh, the German mentality of early, of the early years. Yeah, yeah like, as, as long as. Yeah, like we will put it together um, eventually. We just need to stay close to the competition. But your competition, now nah, think about it that way. No. You know why Madrid? You know why Madrid beat so many? You, you know why Madrid beat so many teams this year? Mm-hmm. Because they're not known for fucking lose. Madrid knows that them squad under transition. Madrid fans know that them tra- them squad is under transition. Madrid is one of the few clubs that can uh, that are to, to me allowed to be under transition. No, they're not the debt that Barca has, but um, which is the only bad part about Barca's is the amount of debt that club has. So that's a bit different from Madrid's situation. The problem at Manchester United is that you're spending wildly and you're not rebuilding properly. No, in the case of a bunch of square square pegs, round holes. Exactly. They have no just, plan. They're just throwing money out there. Exactly. So the difference with the Galacticos is that. Perez have a plan and he have the money to spend on it. Yeah, and he knows what he wants. Yeah, but also, he knows his squad is transition. So, Ancelotti, they're under the pressure where Xavi produced in the year. Um, in terms of, yo, we need to forget about the club to you, at least keep the, keep the club in Europa League status and get us back into the Champions League, I will go for this season. I think but, also that Magic Cena players are still able to perform. I think that that's the it's not. Difference. It's not really able to perform. It's not really just able to perform because um, their squad fits each other. If you get what I'm saying, even though they're transitioning, they didn't transition the way Barca did, where we're forced to just like scrap the squad. So when you scrap a squad rather than choose to transition it, 
Meaning that when your hand is forced rather than you are do the, like make your moves by yourself, is that you have to do a lot of plug and play, which means the squad are going to disorganize. For example, you remember the Frank Kessie signing, right? Yeah. I told you that he's not lasting two years at Barca, even though I think he's a player that can play at a world class. There's a reason why I said that. I said that because none of what is happening at Barcelona is a part of the plan for Barcelona. What is happening with Barcelona is cleaning up a mess that was created, meaning that we have to react or, or respond rather than take control. And that's the difference between Barca and Madrid right now. Madrid's team still has chemistry together. Barca has had to throw pieces together yes, and Madrid, make Madrid it work. To, to buy their replacements and put them on the bench and allow the senior guys to do them stuff. Exactly. Barca did not, Barca didn't have a chance to, or didn't have a chance to do that period. Barca just, oh, yo, the brother there for free? All right, we could drop him in on the squad. And it's basically, let's just use like a car, right? Yeah. In Barca's case, the car broke down and can't move. And as they get the injury, you have to put it in. But you still as they get a part. part yeah. you still, while in Madrid's case, you can buy the parts, man, just have them stacking up. Until one day, you bring everybody into the garage and then you just pull it down one time and then put it up back again and they're ready to go. And you still are winning races at the same time. All right, you, 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 need a, you still need a new transmission. But the character, we still have the, the engine, still, the engine is still a Champions League engine. So we'll go for it. And we'll change the transmission over time. We'll change this over time. And the we'll driver is very experienced. So you don't have to, you know, if anything happens to him, know how to react to it. Exactly. And um, in Chavi's cases, all right, Depay available for free. He's not really in our plans, but yo, as somebody will have a little flair and he can play upon the wing. And he's, so he's, again, he's you a, use your car analogy, you know? You see a part that you like, you know, but that right now... What you need, what you need. What you need, actually. But you have to settle for the B standard. I wouldn't even say B standard because Depay can play at a world-class level. No, no, I'm not saying that the Depay but, is saying that. It's yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not. Your long-term parts, yeah, they can't they get can. themselves. So to tomorrow, maybe bring your six months down the line. Yeah. So yeah, use yeah. So instead of buying the new parts where you want for the car, yeah, you have to use new. Yeah, it's still a good use part, you know. It can still carry up um places, you know. But if you expect to win a championship race with that, then yeah, you you not gonna expect that. And then the new driver where you bring in will grow as a coach as well. I'm gonna say this more the long parts. Are you willing to wait until not just the players mature, but for the coach to make his mis- coaching mistakes and be successful? But let, and, let, let, let me touch upon that Lampard thing because he went to Everton. I think it was a, I think to me, I think it was a bad, bad move. But I guess you can only be out for so long. And what do you think? Like, and this Everton team is another, is this, this like, Everton has wasted millions of dollars on this team. They had no current idea or plan. They just kept throwing money at the problem. And they know. I'm actually surprised that Lampard had them out of relegation zone. Here's the funny thing about this Everton team. Mm-hmm. They're underperforming. Oh, we know oh, we know they're massively underperforming. We know that. Their squad is extremely talented. This is this is one of the fortunate things they have. This is what is fortunate for Everton. Mm-hmm. If they sell a lot of the players in their squad, they can build a good team. And it is not going to take much. It just does, it just takes not making stupid decisions. Now, granted, we're in a disposition because of the way for stupid decisions for the board, them up for the board, I mean. 
but the problem is solvable forever. Is what I'm saying. If you sell Alan back to any Syria team, they're going to make some money because of his time on that Richarlison, you sell him to any team when you need a winger, you're going to make some money. Shit, if you, sell him, if you put him up for sale right now with Usman Dembele or Renata Barca, Barca by Richarlison. So we know we know that about the quality of the players. I no. know they have some massive injuries. I know it's not just that. You're, you remember you said about Manu earlier about fitting square pegs into wrong holes. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't. But even though all even though you have, you bought talented players, you didn't buy talented players who fit each other's playing style. So again, it's square pegs into wrong holes. You have some good square pegs, but they're not. They're not going to fit into wrong holes. So tell me now, right? Um, yeah. Can we, let me close off the podcast now. Jose is in another final. Roma, your team. Talk about that now. Like, I know, oh. I know you say you don't care about the conference league, but Jose in another final. Ancelotti in another final. I think two managers that personally said that are past it and the game has moved moved on, left them, and they can't do it anymore, are both in respective European finals. Yeah, but the situations are both different. So, for example, in Roma right. situation... vastly different, but in Roma situation, yeah, tell us. Count in, in Roma situation, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be so so jumpy to celebrate. Now, granted, a lot of people don't know that the UEFA conference league is a trophy that was brought back, rather than a new creation. Because it was here before. Um, but yeah, winning the conference to me is not something to celebrate for even Jose. Um, I think maybe, maybe because it was very emotional when you got to the final. I think I think another person, I think I'm just speculating. Another person said that Jose is washed, he can no longer win any trophies, he can't take another team to another final. And well, yeah, but it's a problem. No, but it, it, you're yeah, but this Roma team should be a Europa League team. That's a problem. That is true. Like, the Conference League was brought back for two reasons. To give teams a chance who cannot play in the Conference League, sorry, in the Europa League, a chance to still play European football against teams that are... All right, so for example, let's say that the top eight team, teams belong to both the Champions League and the Europa League. The next four teams after that top eight are really the teams that should be fighting for contracts. So Roma should not be in this position in the first place. And the conference league almost seemed like a charity. Yes, we know that Europe is trying to milk more money out of teams by, are trying to milk more money out of football by bringing back the conference league because the teams that are in the conference league outside of the teams that are top teams in um. The, the European leagues outside of the top 10 in Europe. Outside of those teams, you're really talking about teams who are mid-table teams in the top five. So Roma should never be in this place. So it's like, yeah, Jose carried a team to a final, but the final that they carried, the final that you carried them to is in a league that they should have dominated and two. Because remember, Vitesse almost knocked them out. And two, 
the conference league is almost like a charity at this point for a manager like Jose. It's almost like, yo, it feels charity like. It feels charity like for, for money in this position. And in terms of Carlo Ancelotti, it's a matter of time. A matter of time? Timing. Timing. You came to Madrid at the right time. Meaning that you came to Madrid at a time where Atletico Madrid are a big or should force their rebuild now, stop growth and stop love now. And you came when Barca is in data, can be able to hold on to the players. So it's not like you came into a league that was competitive. Um, and Sevilla, Sevilla even choked, even though they, about to, they had a 2 0 lead that would bring the league down to three to a three-point deficit and lost three-two to you at the end of the day, despite leading two 0 at half time. So Sevilla choked because they've never been in this position. Maybe it was a cup tie, maybe they would have win. But, <laughs> but you came at the right time. You tell me, say, all right, and then in the Champions League now, you're bet and I hate saying this because Ancelotti deserves more credit. But every team that was supposed to beat you choked. So it's not like no, no, PSG, no. Yes. No, no, no. Because even Man City. Man City, City could have... No, no, no. No, but that, that's my point. Everything that should have been to underperform. City and City and PSG outright choke. And even Chelsea never play at them best. So... Because yeah, five mistakes, five goals. But City exactly. and PSG choke, yes. That was a choke job from both of those. The first leg should have done in the first half. Yes, that is true. That should have been four or five nil up in the first half. So that's that to me is a that to me is perfect timing. And I always said this, I said this on the Live Sports podcast on the weekend. Um that what Ancelotti sports is always about timing. No, true, but what, what what Ancelotti brings to Madrid, and you said this earlier about having an experienced driver. Is that and this applies for Jose in the Roma in the in the, in the conference league as well. Those two guys who have that experience brought what I would like to call um, the, the, the same thing that Bill Belichick Patriots, where we're not going to defeat ourselves. So can you beat us? And I thought that's what Ancelotti and Jose has brought to the two teams that, that they have this We're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot. We're not the most talented right now. We're not at our best right now. We're not the best squad where we want right now. Because as you can see, Madrid still are trying to add players and stuff like that. So Roma, as I said, Jose is rebuilding the squad while he's doing this. But put it this way. If Jose did not win this conference league, I don't think Roma would make it into the Europa League next year. Well, they are Europa League places. True, but we struggle to get there. But would you not try that out having an inexperienced squad and a squad that is still... No, because the squad is not shit. With? No, 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 because the squad is not that weak. No, I'm not saying it, that the squad is weak. I'm just saying that overall, he's still trying to get in. He's still trying to assemble the squad properly because he is in his Europa League players, which is where he should be. 
No, definitely, but it's 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 how you get there. Roma struggled to, to keep their position this year, and if we didn't have Tommy Abraham, my God, what would have happened? So, so this Roma team to see these two red shots though, because like I said, other person said they're, they're old men now. The game has passed them. I still think that's a very good opinion. Like as much as Jose is coaching Roma, and this is why this is what and this is why I said and and this is why I said I didn't like him coming to Roma after Tottenham, mm-hmm. is because he didn't have any success at Tottenham. True. A very Tottenham thing to do. No, but that, that that's true. But what I'm saying is that, and this is this is I was afraid of this for Ancelotti as well. He didn't have success at Everton. And I told you the reason why Carlo took the Everton job and why Josie took the Tottenham job. It was to see if they still have it. Now Perez hired Perez hired Ancelotti because. He didn't want to get. He didn't want to get back into a lot of situation where I am. I, I am letting go of a world class manager to bring in somebody who I'm not sure can do it, but is a young coach. And because I don't think Ancelotti is a long term coach for Madrid either. I think he's a there to that has the, the respect of the players because he delivered La Decima. True, so but has, not just that. He has the respect of the players, the fans. And he's an experienced hand that can guide, uh, that has overseen transitions. And he's a good manager that can oversee a transition while getting results. That's it. So I don't think he's their long-term um, plan either, but that's why he's a bit different from Xavi. In Barca's situation, they have to wait for Xavi to mature as a coach and for the players to mature as players. In Ancelotti's case, he's just going to make them transition. So I mean, in, obviously, in, to me, my goal in the Champions League. He's only ever lost to Liverpool um, once in a Champions League and that final. Was a result. Exactly. And in a 2007, he makes sure say that it wasn't even a question. Yeah, yeah, they blew them away. Blew them, blew them the fuck away. Not even make it an option for them to for them, for them, for them try that shit. Because a lot of people don't realise that that comeback was really... AC Milan stopping them football yes, yes. rather than Liverpool. No, it was Milan, it was Milan shooting and scalping both feet and the head. Exactly. And then 07, then not even make it a question who's better team. So Milan's at the top of the table. Which one? It's very weird. I said Milan, I didn't say Inter. It's very yeah, but, nostalgic seeing yeah. Syria like this, seeing Milan and Inter. Fighting it off for the table, for the top of the table, yeah, because we grew up in an era of football where these two teams were not just the best in Italy, but the best in Europe. Yeah, and had some of the best players of their generation. So, um, Inter, Milan, what you say? What about them? Who are you, who, who you saying? With two matches to go, what do you say? Um, I needed to check something for me. Who won the Copa Italia today? Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Um, is it a today or tomorrow? Um, yeah, all right, good. I think AC Milan are going to do it. Here's why. Why? 
they know they already know how to play with each other and i think that barring some supremely disappointed disappointing thing like me at this point ac milan has to melt down for them to for inter to win the title but the season went exactly how i thought meaning that inter won the two cups um in terms of the super copa italia and the Copa italia mm-hmm. which they won both of them but because of the change in playing style and of course losing Lukaku, even though Jeko has been a good place. But um, unless Inter kept their lead throughout the season, Milan has to do something stupid to lose the title. And I thought that's what I thought that's what the season would turn out where Inter Inter would still finish second and win the two Italian Cups, but AC Milan would get their first um, title in years. And I don't see the Syria being fought between two of them. No, because Napoli still had a shot. Yeah, and I think so Roma are going to get better. Yeah. I think Juve are going to get better. Um, Lazio is still there. No, nah, Lazio will get worse, right? Lazio, I'm not worried about Lazio. <laughs> so you see, I think Lazio is on the decline where everybody else is on the up. Yeah, um, I think Atalanta are stuck. Not in a bad place, but they're stuck. They're stuck in that place where they are definitely a Europa League team and there's days when they might drop into their, their seasons where they might drop into the Champions League. And that's not a bad thing for a club like Atalanta, in all fairness. But I do think they're they stuck in that to take them to the next level. Definitely. But again, if they want to stay at this level where you know, we play European football every goddamn year, and whether it is the Champions League or the Europa League, um, worst case scenario for them is for end up in That's to me the worst case scenario. But in, in terms of Italian football, I think Italian football is getting back to a good place. I still don't think it's there yet, 100%. Because even this AC Milan team, like, it's not the best. I wouldn't put it up against any AC Milan team from past. So, like, this AC Milan team might be better than what they've had over the years. But still, against other Syria winning, for example, the 2010 winning team, there's no way I'm putting this team up against. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting this team up against Zatan, Pato, Thiago, Silva, um, and those guys. They're mad. Andrea Pirlo in the final season with AC Milan. They're mad. It would be a complete wipeout. Um, but Syria, to me, is in the best place it could possibly be. And it's actually, to me, in a place where it can get better. Syria about Kreider's marketing. I think they need to market their league a lot better. It's not marketing. They have been the most competitive league this year. It's not marketing necessarily, you know. It's that Syria hasn't created a star. And that's a problem. And this is why I said that Insigne, Insigne made the right move financially to Toronto, but for Syria it was bad because Syria hasn't... Per- um, none of the two teams won with a star over the years. So, when Inter won last year, their biggest two players were Luarto and Lukaku, right? Yeah. But Lukaku isn't seen in the, in the world of football as a superstar necessarily. He's a world-class player, but not necessarily a superstar. Luarto is a person that is a, still an up-and-coming star. But what they don't have is like, you remember the Shevchenko? Yeah, like, yeah, like a Shevchenko. Akaka, um, you look at Inter, Schneider, 
you know, those type of guys that you know is a superstar. And that was one of the things that, and one of the biggest things that Syria did that was stupid, that Syria is going to suffer from. It's not in their control, but they're going to suffer from it is right when our league is about to kick its back to its apex, right? Mm-hmm. Because AC Milan didn't win because of a superstar. They won because they're a good team. Mm-hmm. Everybody played together. Now, Rafael Leo can become a superstar one day. Ante Rebic might still become a superstar, um, even though he's already considered a good player. Um, I don't know if Junior Messias is going to become a superstar, but he's been playing well for them this year. Brian Diaz might become a superstar one day. Um, and same thing for Sandra Tonali and Benasir. Benasir already won the African Cup of Nations with Algeria as a starting midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not worried about the international. He already played at a World Cup as a young star. Yeah. So in terms of superstars, no, that's what they don't have. And I think the biggest thing that is going to fuck up Italian football or slow down Italian football when it could have gotten a boost was attending the World Cup. Even if you never win. Oh, you win the that's Euros. Like, well, yes, not? That's actually very massive. I forgot about that, too. I forgot about that. That yes. is actually very, very, very horrible for them. Definitely. So when you look at it, when you look at it, like, you win the Euros, you have the arguably the most competitive league in us. The following year after the following season after winning the US. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, no, well, no. Let's be, before we even get to that. Your league has its most competitive and entertaining season in the past 20 years. They have near almost 20 years. Right? 12 yes. years? 12 years called 12 years. Juve went about 12 years in school. Yeah. So your league has its most competitive and entertaining season for the past 12 years, right after you win the Euros. The perfect situation would be to attend the World Cup, even if you don't win. Yeah, because so now... The Italian players to, to put Italy back on the market again. Exactly. That's, this is now where you build the superstars. This is where Insigne could have cemented himself as a superstar. A lot of guys... on you know that... Unlike the Euros, World Cup, the World Cup creates stars. Yeah. Stars are born from the World Cup. Yeah, because Euro, Euros is basically the Euros, Euros, Copa America, African Euros Copa is just Nations. an audition for, for, your, for your continent. Just an audition. But yeah, the, World yeah. Cup, the World Cup creates stars. Yeah, because here's the difference. performance can change your career completely. Yeah, because here's a big difference. The World Cup is watched by more casual fans than by billions. Exactly. So even if even you know much people, you know much it's people. It's the they call it the greatest show on earth because it is the greatest show on Because people who aren't really even soccer fans based off the World Cup. Even but even people who aren't soccer fans. Yeah, because just it becomes more of a tribal thing now between its festivities and, and it becomes a, a whole festival. Yeah, like for example. Um, when, when, um, there was a day in, in the 2018 World Cup and mm-hmm. I didn't really watch much of the 2018 World Cup at the yeah. time I was taking a break from football and everything. So I didn't even want to watch the World Cup. Um, me and my father have the type of relationship with Bandover football or Bandover sports. So him kind of can draw me into certain matches. I think I watched a Belgian versus Brazil match because of him. 
um and another match there was another match to more but there was a day where Messi missed a penalty and even though I wasn't watching the World Cup me could have known in my community say Messi missed the penalty <laughs> every pattern pan and every anti Messi fan they on the top of them boys through my neighbor but me now watch I'm a no say Messi missed a penalty CR7 must have scored a free kick the same day. You know, the Portugal, the Portugal? Versus Spain match. The opening yeah. match, yeah. Yeah. And, yo, Messi, I should CR7 score. I didn't even, I wasn't even watching the World Cup. I, me even take out, me even left me yard. Take a walk, go to the park. Because me and Shaka did a slim in the park. Shaka was an Argentine. Mm-hmm. Um, Chelsea fan as well. As well. Um, me and him sit down out in the park. We could have hear everybody else in the community as celebrators to go. And then when the match done, every anti-Messi fan has surrounded me and Shaka tell. Keep in mind, I try to avoid football. Even left me yard going to the park. So when the World Cup comes out, when the Euros comes around, it's still hardcore fans like me and you watch it. For example, in 2016, me and you did the pound. We're, we're at that work. Are we going to still the pound we shift. <laughs> still, still the pound we shift. We shift not done yet. And a lunchtime yet or nothing. We just decide to say, yo, we got a bargain. Watch the watch watch yet. <laughs> but we are hardcore fans. But a regular fan will leave work early, go watch a World Cup match, or sneak out and go watch a World Cup match at the bar, rather than fear Euros match. Yes, that is true. So... Italy missing out on the World Cup. But you know, was... I remember in high school, yeah, go on. when the 2010 World Cup was going on, we brought a TV to school. Just oh, so to watch the match. <laughs> oh, you mean, like, like um, if you did play for a sports team, you could have gone down at the um, sports department, you coach them inside and watch the match. So if you did play for a football team or a cricket team at your school, you could have sneaked, go down at the... Um, go down at the um, the, the, the exercise department or the physical education yeah, department. I watched that box so much. Yeah, and, and you want to coach them, isn't me? Coach will, will let them in because you're, isn't me? And isn't me, you watch it, you watch a match. The man them will usually carry them laptop to school. Like, for example, you have the science lab man, them. Then we'll pull open them laptop um, and, and try to get a stream to the match. So, yeah. like, even the guidance counselor, then you could have gone to the guidance counselor office and them have a little TV in there. And you see me, as long as you don't make up the noise, I make people know so many things. Yeah, you just sit down and just watching the match. Yeah. But it's it's those things. The World Cup is watched by a lot more casuals because of the festivities. And then Jamaican people, oh, the pattern pun them, like, yo, no must have cooking night tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because like people have beat the pattern from them, like say, oh, it's a pattern in the mashup in Africa. Yeah, but yeah, like that's the level of the World Cup. Yeah, but that's what the World Cup means. Even the casual people never watch a fucking football in their life. One can tell you, tell one can go like I'm an expert in a football. But you know, it's funny, like, and like you said, regardless of everything that happened. And with the World Cup and Qatar and the situations, once that opening match starts, you know, all these forgiven. Everybody fucking forget. Everybody <laughs> fucking forget. 
My only problem is all the stadiums are mixed. I just yeah, don't like to say, like, you know? No, like, Leon, no, 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 Leon, no, no, Leon, 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 the stadium, they build out of, out of container. They literally stop the containers like Lego blocks for building the stadium. I do not, as much as I want us to be at the World Cup, we're going to pick the match them over, isn't it? We're going to unpick the match them because, yo, I don't trust those stadiums. One, they're built way too fast. One, next team, too much people dead under them. And three, <laughs> they're built like Legos. Oh, God. I think it's the second part more interesting than anything else. They're built like Legos. I don't want to. Hillsbury, which, how many different stadiums collapsed in, in the past, in the past football? It's been a while. And then I'm on these giant air conditioners where them pump or pump. Um, you see the giant air conditioner there? So basically what you're saying is any venue that is built with these Lego stars, you're not going. <laughs> yeah, what for go what for go all off and any if I see if my beer see a container, my yo, what for you? Because yo, big man, my nasty don't you know something built off a container. Like the national stadium of Jamaica that make out the containers. Come on, better that. Oh, it, because it's my, a pretty stadium, though. I'm looking, it's a beautiful stadium. Listen, <laughs> listen, no, that's another part. That's not a problem. All of the stadiums are going to look good, but I think they built the stadiums this way because after the Qatar World Cup, they want to take down the stadium them as easily as they put them up. <laughs> so, now, how are you going to explain the dead people? Them, or how are you going to explain if something happened at the World Cup because yo. You, you know how Legos stay. Like, <laughs> them can drop down. Worse, suppose them build them well, like, funny, like it's, Jenga. It's only one stadium that was built this year. It's only one stadium. What is this? <laughs> so I guess your body got how much is at that stadium. Yeah. Brother, if the finals are playing this, I want to go watch, we'll to go watch the semi-finals. And, but I want us to be at the World Cup. I want us to be in that environment. I want us to be able to interview people and all of that. Um, and all of that stuff. But, yo, I have to go handpick the match then because, yo, I'm not going to stay in the stadium, but, but then build like Lego. And that's how this works. You know, you know you're mad you want to play Jenga with my life? What's <laughs> a Jenga? No, brother, you know, play Jenga with my life. All right, then. So, so I sorry. think that's the. I think that's the. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end it on. We're not going to the Jenga-inspired stadium. Yeah, we're just not going to. Um, check us out on all of your um social media platforms at Live Sports One. Um, I think we posted a podcast Sunday. Uh, well, I haven't posted it yet. Actually, need to do some editing. But yeah, check us out on all of it. No, there's a reason why. Like from Zoom to the whole split thing, my fed world more editing. But that's uh, it. But yeah, check us out on all of your different um podcasts. Um, where you get your podcast, Spotify, and all of that. Yeah, the 90th minute whistle and the Live Sports podcast. So we'll see you guys next time. All right.